0: If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321. Give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. Well, as I alluded
1: in my prayer and as Leslie uh, let us know last week, we're starting a brand new series that we're just a little bit into called Things we don't talk about at the dinner table. And you know, there's all kinds of things that we just decide. These are topics that we do not talk about because when people bring them up, it tends to create some tension inside of us and inside of other people when we have them. So generally, when you're sitting around at work or when you're having dinner with your family or when you're connecting with friends, you don't normally just ask, hey, how much money do you make? Generally, when you're hanging out, you're not like, hey, tell me about your sex life. How's that going for you? right and we definitely don't say hey who'd you vote for president in the last election right those are just things that we don't talk about because when we do talk about them it's very different from when someone asks something like hey how was your weekend you know a good sushi place have you been to a good movie right why is it that some questions that we ask about ourselves and about our lives are off limits and created all kinds of tension in the room but other topics are completely free to engage in see because I've noticed that there are certain arenas in life that we have just decided as human beings define who we are. That these topics define who we are and who we aren't more than other topics that we engage in. And likewise, we have decided that the answers to these topics define who other people are as well. And we do this in life. That we put a value to how much money we make or we don't make. We put a value to sexuality and how sex life is happening and beliefs around sexuality. We put a value around who we voted for. And the interesting thing is, the second you start talking about this, people make all kinds of inferences about ourselves and other people just based on the answers. So, for example, if someone was to suddenly say, hey, I voted for Trump, all of a sudden there's a whole list of things that people make assumptions about. Likewise, if someone said, hey, I voted for Biden, instantly there are a whole set of assumptions that people make about that person, and not just about their political ideology, but who they are at their core, what they care about, what they don't care about, what, what, what they're about in life in general. It creates a whole list of assumptions, and because we have allowed some of these conversations to define who we are, it naturally creates insecurity, It creates insecurity about who we are, about who other people are, about our place in them. Because here's the thing, these conversations were never actually meant to define us. And when we do allow them to define us, things get wonky, things get insecure, things get tense. And and then, because they're connected to who we are and they create so much insecurity, we just decide we don't want to talk about them. We don't wanna have the conversation because we don't want to address whatever is there. Because when we do talk about them, they require us to take a look at a part of ourselves that feels very insecure, that, that, that brings up all kinds of value conversation. But here's the thing, when we don't look at them, when we are unwilling to bring these conversations into the light, there's zero possibility for change. And when I talk to so many people, They talk about, I would love to transform my finances, and yet we don't have the conversation. But we have to have the conversation in order to transform our finances. There is so much hidden conversation around sexuality and identity and what that means and doesn't mean, and and there's a need to have the conversation, yet no one wants to have it. That that the church especially has gone sideways in its relationship to politics. And so many churches have just decided to stay silent rather than engage just the conversation. Not even who to vote for, but just what is politics and how do we engage it as a culture because we don't want it to go sideways. And so when we decide that we're going to bring this up, it, it creates some tension inside of us. And here's what I found is that nothing brings up more insecurity for people than money and sex. Those two conversations instantly are like, (gasps) right? (laughs) And we talk about them often in our premarital counseling when people are first getting married. And it's interesting because there are times, we don't do this with everyone, so if you're thinking about getting married and want to go through premarital counseling, don't let this scare you away. (laughs) But for some people, we're just like, hey, let's just open up your bank accounts and take a look at the debt that you have. Or let's just open up your bank accounts and take a look at how you're spending your money. I can tell you that instantly when that happens, people go, (gasps) right? (laughs) Because it says something about us. Or hey, tell me about your sex life. It instantly creates a tense moment in those conversations because we've made it about something about who we are at our core. I actually think this is one of the reasons why Jesus talks about money so much because he knew that this was the reality that we find ourselves in. This is, it was gonna determine what's possible and not possible for us. It was gonna determine who and what we put our trust in. It was gonna determine how we judge not only ourselves, but one another based on a number in a bank account. And if anything that you should judge someone, I, I'm not too sure if that's the most accurate data as to how we ought to judge or discern one another. In fact, let me just ask you this question. Just shout out some answers to me. When I say, hey, we're going to have a conversation about money, what are some of the immediate emotional experiences or thoughts that come up? Just shout out some of them. I need some. I need some. What's that? Guilt. Guilt. What else? What's that? Give some more. To Give some more. Yeah, what else? Fear. Fear. What's that? No thanks. Yeah, all of these conversations. Generally, people aren't like, yay, let's do this, right? (laughs) Because it brings up so much turmoil inside of us as we engage this conversation. Have you ever just paused for a moment and wonder why Jesus set up this whole system with money? Or at least allows it to continue well, why, he doesn't just say, hey, we're going to stop this right here and we're just going to go back to bartering with chickens and pomegranates and olive oil or whatever. <laughs> why he allows this conversation to do this. Why, when Jesus was here, did he not say, hey, this whole thing with money is evil and so let's just stop it right now and get rid of it. See, well, wouldn't it be much easier if Jesus just said, hey, when you come to me, I'm just going to give you what you need for the day. That would be a lot easier, wouldn't it be? I mean, he did this with the Israelites as they were going through the wilderness with this stuff called manna, where every single day they would wake up and there was their food and their sustenance and everything that they needed. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if you just woke up in the morning and Jesus was like, here's your per diem for your food today and everything that you need. You're going to have a gas money, all that's taken care of. Here you go. And you just said thank you and took it and moved on with your life. That would actually seem to solve a lot of the world's problems, wouldn't it? It seems like it would be easier, it would create less tension, that it wouldn't leave people without in the process, and yet he allows and even engaged in this monetary system when he was here, and he continues to allow it. What, what if how we relate to money and the way that God actually set this thing up actually speaks to the heart of God for humanity? Well, what if money actually created a narrative of how God longs to relate to us. And it was the perfect example to let us know, oh, this is the relationship that God intended to set up with humanity. See, when God's setting up creation, and he creates everything, and he creates Adam and Eve, and he puts them in this garden that he has created that is perfect, this is what it says in Genesis chapter 1, 28 through 30. It says, God blesses them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every plant, green plant for food, and it was so. So here's the thing. God creates everything and then he hands it over to humanity. And he says, you're in charge of it. I've created everything, I've given you everything you need, I set you up for perfection, and now it is all yours. And then he gives us some instructions. The first thing that he says is be fruitful and increase in numbers. In other words, I want more of you. I would love some more humans. And on top of that, I want you to be the best version of yourself. So be fruitful and multiply here and now. And he says, I want you to actually create more of you. Now in two weeks, we'll talk about how that happens. But he says, I actually want you to create more of you. I'm not interested in creating more of you. I'm not going to be doing this whole dust thing and putting people together thing. I would love for you to be the one responsible to create more of you here on this earth. And while you're creating more of you, your job is also to subdue the earth around you. Now, we oftentimes don't talk about subduing anything. That's not often a phrase that we use or a word that we use in here, but the word actually means to bring under control or to create beauty out of the chaos that is currently existing all around us. And so this is what he calls Adam and Eve into. He says, I would love for you to multiply. I want more of you. And in that process, I would love for you to take everything that I've given you, and I would love for you to control it and to create beauty in the world around you. And he sets them free into the garden to do what they're going to do. He hands all of the resources over to humanity, and he says, you are in charge of this, and we get to work together in creating this experiment called humanity. Now, on Easter, right before we were about to have Easter, Leslie and I and Marla were running around like crazy people trying to get things done for that weekend, and one day we went outside and we noticed that the planters in front of our mini kids' loft space were completely empty. Like, they were full of weeds and some random plants here and there. And so Leslie says, hey, could you go get some plants from Home Depot real fast? I run to Home Depot. We get some flowers to put in the planter. And I go out there, and my son, Colin, four years old, is out there when I return. And I start getting the flowers out to quickly put in the planter. And he says, Dad, can I help? And I... I took a deep breath <laughs> because I knew that if Colin got involved with this process, one, it was going to take twice as long as I needed to do the project. This was going to take time out of my day to pause and go, yes, you can help me with this because I could get it done very quickly. But if Colin was going to get involved, it was going to take time. The second thing, it was not going to look the way that I wanted it to if Colin was involved. He was going to have his ideas, and my son has a lot of ideas about the way the world should be, and he was going to have to get involved with this. And I took a deep breath, and I said, yes, you can get involved in helping me put the flowers in the flower bed. And I I imagine that this is a lot what God does with us. See, that when he created all these things and hands the resources over to us, I imagine he takes a deep breath. All right, let's do this together. Now here's the thing, horrible plan if you're attempting to create control. Horrible plan if you're attempting to manipulate, have things turn out exactly the way that you intended, how you wanted them to happen in the time, quickly. Great plan if you're interested in creating intimacy. Beautiful plan if you're, in, if you're intended in creating relationship with one another and creating connection with humanity. See, I wonder if one of the reasons why God doesn't just give us stuff every day, but why he doesn't just say, hey, here's what you need for the day, move on, and he actually asks us to engage with resources like money is because he's actually interested in partnering with us, in stewarding. He's actually interested in partnering with us in co-creating the world around us and overseeing everything, that the the mandate on Adam and Eve is still the mandate on us today. Be fruitful and multiply and create beauty out of the chaos wherever you go. That I'm going to hand you resources and you get to go manage all of them, including money, for the purpose of multiplying and creating beauty every single place that you go to. See, because one model, if Jesus just said, hey, here's all the stuff you need for the day, move on, would create just consumers. Our entire job would just be to take and consume, and that would be the end of it. But this this other model where Jesus says, hey, I'm going to give my resources to you. I'm going to share them with you. I'm going to make you controller over them, and... That would be a continual reminder that we are co-creators with God here and now, that it is our mandate to be fruitful and multiply and also to make sure that beauty happens all around the world, that we get to be caretakers with God of humanity here and now. Have you ever been in a position where you have been given power and authority to act on someone else's behalf? If you've never had that experience, it's actually uh, an interesting experience. I remember the first time that I went to Kiev, to Ukraine, and I was invited there as a guest speaker on my own, and I flew over there, and I didn't know when I would be back to Ukraine. I didn't know if I would be ever back in Kiev, and so the first time I went... I took a lot of my money and I just decided I'm going to have a good time in Kiev because I don't know when I'm going to be back. And let me just tell you, as someone who has an Enneagram 7 tendency, I had a good time in Kiev. So if you don't know anything about Ukraine, they have like the second best chocolate in the world. They have coffee shops almost on every corner. They have amazing pastries. It's like... France. It's such a beautiful place. There's a reason why people say spend summer in Kiev. It's such a beautiful place to enjoy the culture and the people and the experience, and I just thought, I'm going to blow all my money here and have a wonderful time while I'm here. And then I left, and I came back, but the second time I came back, we were invited back as a church, And this was several, several years ago, and it was the first time that we actually did a global giving campaign here at Humanity Church in December. And so our community raised money, and then we brought that money to Kiev for the purpose of supporting local churches, engaging some of the work with orphans and widows there, and making sure that we could support what was happening on the ground with existing organizations. This time, I didn't go with my money I went with money that was put in my stewardship on behalf of a community here called Humanity Church. And let me tell you, the way I related to that money was very different from the way I related to my money. Because every single dollar that was spent on that trip, it wasn't thinking, oh, what is this going to do for me? What pleasure is this going to give me in the moment? Every dollar that was spent in the back of my head, I thought, someone sacrificed this year so that this money could go somewhere. Someone decided that they were gonna have not a Starbucks every week, but they were gonna give this money to make sure that something beautiful happened in Ukraine. Someone decided that they weren't gonna go out to eat as much. Someone decided that they were gonna go on a big vacation this year. Someone decided that rather than having some cool thing in their house, they were gonna sacrifice this money and send it off to Ukraine. And so every single time a dollar was spent, that was in the back of my head, as I am stewarding someone else's sacrifice. I am the one who is taking this and putting it into play here and now because I recognize that every dollar spent was a reflection of the heart and the value and the intention of our community here at Humanity Church, a people who sacrificed for it. Now, here's the thing. In life, when we hold the mindset that my resources and my money and the things that I have in my hand are mine, yes, we get to do whatever we want with our resources, and generally where our mind goes is, how can I make a comfortable life for myself? How can I have a pleasurable experience here and now? What is going to make me the most happy and what is going to bring the most enjoyment to me and what is going to make life beautiful for me here in that moment? But here's the thing. It oftentimes leads to purposeness, purposelessness, waste, and striving. Because if my whole existence is how do I make my life more comfortable, more enjoyable, more pleasureful, it is an exhausting pursuit that will never end with enough because there will always be more comfort needed. There will always be more pleasure to be had. There will always be more security to be engaged. And eventually it moves you towards a life where you are nothing but a consumer. And you were not made to be a consumer, so it goes against the very human nature that you were designed for because you were designed to be co-creators with God. However when we recognize, oh, all of the resources that I have been given have been entrusted to me on behalf of God, that he was the one who sacrificed to make sure all of this was given to me and that he gave it to me for the purpose of multiplying and bringing beauty onto this earth, I take up my calling then as a spokesperson for God in the world around me. And I recognize that God has actually set me up to deliver to every single person on the planet what he values and what he cares about and what he longs for. And that I'm going to ask you to consider today that when we find ourselves in that space, every single dollar that we spend, that we put out, is a declaration of what God cares about. That it is a declaration of what God values. That it is a declaration of the things that he wants to create and he wants to bring here to this earth, here and now. So here's an interesting question that I asked myself this week, that if we cracked open your bank account and just looked at how we spent our money over the last two weeks, would it reflect the heart of God for humanity? If someone looked at how we spent our resources over the last two weeks, would they look at it and go, oh man, I can clearly see the desires of God based on how we have stewarded, how we have co-created, how we have engaged with him in this world around us. And is it actually leaving you empowered to multiply and to bring beauty on the earth or is it leaving you exhausted and striving and stressed and out of breath And how we relate to our resources. In other words, is it moving the world towards beauty and multiplication? Or is it moving you towards fear and isolation and desperation and exhaustion? It's interesting, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting in verse 17, this is what God says to us about resources. And he says this, You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. See, I think some people have this idea that God is anti-wealth. That God doesn't actually want us to produce and to engage and to create resources around us and to have those. But what he actually tells us here in Deuteronomy is like, no, 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 no. God has actually given you the ability to produce wealth. That is part of being a co-creator. That is part of taking on that role as an image bearer of God is that you are someone who gets to produce resources. Not to consume, but to produce resources in the world around us. And this is part of what he, he gives us to do. And I think we resist this idea because there has been an unhealthy prosperity movement that has said that what God longs for us to have is to always be healthy, wealthy, and well. That God longs for us to have more than we need, and that what God's intention for us is that we would have a lavish lifestyle. And we've looked at that, and our culture in that space, not just in the church, but across culture, has decided that if you have wealth, that equals you are greedy. And those don't actually connect with one another. See, because I'm going to actually ask you to consider that greed has nothing to do with how much you have. Greed has everything to do with an attitude of heart and how you relate to the resources that are in front of you. Do you relate to them as a consumer that I need more for my pleasure, for my resources, for my happiness, for my security? Or do you relate to them as a producer that I get to create in the world with them? Because let me tell you, I have known wealthy people who are absolute producers in the world with the resources and the wealth that they have produced by the hand of God. I also know people who have very little and are the most stingy people on the planet. See, it's not about the money. It's not about the amount of resources that you have. It is about how we relate to the resources and how we relate to our role as co-creators, as those who produce, as those who are called to multiply and create beauty and subdue the earth with the resources that God has given me. See, it's not that God will always have you healthy, wealthy, and rich. It's that God will give you the ability to produce resources, But what God longs for alongside that is this mindset that I have the ability to produce because of what God's given me. And in that, it it transforms how I relate to those resources. Because so many of us are like the first part of this passage in Deuteronomy. Well, this is my money. I've made this. I worked hard for this. You don't know what I've been through and you don't know how hard my life is. I worked my 40 hours and this is mine. And it perpetuates this cycle of exhaustion and striving and greed where God's just like, no, 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 no. please do not forget. I was the one who gave you the ability to even produce that. So now you get to steward what I have already given you in this. And there's this quintessential verse that almost every pastor talks about when we talk about giving, so I figured we should talk about it today. But this is what Malachi in verse 3 says, in chapter 3 verse 10, he says this about our giving in the world around us. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vine in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. And the Lord, says the Lord Almighty, then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. See, what I love is that God sets up this connection between opening up the floodgates of heaven. Like, hey, all the resources that I have, I'm just gonna open up the floodgates and pour them out on you. How many of you today would be like, sign me up for that? Sign me up for the heavens and the floodgates of heaven to be opened up and it is just pouring out on me. All the stuff that God has, all the things that he is in his resource, all the things in his wheelhouse, pour that out on me. And God says, look, this is the correlation. If you're up for that, what you need to do is bring the tithe in, 10% of your resources. Want wah, right? <laughs> we are super excited about the storehouse thing. Like, how do we open up the floodgates? How do we actually create wealth? How do we actually get to a place where we're prospering? And God's like, yeah, you forgot that the access point over here is you being willing to be generous to steward your resources well. And the scriptures use this word tithe, which means 10%, which I know a lot of people today like to debate this. Is this biblical? Is it not? Is it New Testament? Is it not? I just figured that if God started there, that the New Testament would actually call us to more, not less. And so it's a great indicator of where we're at in our willingness to give of our resources. Not like it's a have to. If you don't, you're a bad person. You're not going to be connected with God. Please don't hear me say that. But it is a marker for us as to how generous we are in life with that. And usually when when a pastor talks about this passage, he's like, hey, give your tithe so that you can have the floodgates opened onto you. And even that is a consumer mentality, right? Well, sure, I'll give my 10%. You're telling me I'm gonna get like a 10 times return on this? How much is this? This is like a sure deal, right? And we oftentimes even think about it through a consumer mentality how do I get the storehouse open? Oh, sure, I'll give my 10%. If that means I'll get the storehouse open over here. And then people get bitter when they're like, wait, where's the 10 times return? Where's the 100 times return? Where's the Ferrari? Where's the house? Wherever it may be. Because even when we talk about that, we talk about it through a consumer mentality. And look, the tithing part is not exactly exciting over here to us. So why would God not just open the floodgates on us? If he loves us, you think he would do that, right? But why is it connected to a space of giving? It seems like a bait and switch, doesn't it? It seems like a manipulation of God. Hey, if you give, then I'll give to you. If you're generous over here, then I'll give to you. If he truly loves us, and he is the God who has the cattle on a thousand hills, and he has all the resources in the world at his disposal, why would he not just open up the floodgates on us here and now? Because here's the thing. If God was to open his floodgates today on so many of us in this room, it would actually only fuel our scarcity. Strangely enough, it would fuel our fear. It would fuel our striving in life, not help it. Because here's the thing the money is never about the money, it's always about our attitude of heart. And here's the statistic that is so fascinating that lets you know that this reality that God's operating from doesn't just happen in the church. I looked up the statistics of people who win a million dollars or more in the lottery, how many of them go broke, not just even like go back to where they started, go broke, bankrupt within three years, 73%. 73% of people who get a million dollars handed to them in their bank account are broke bankrupt within three years, which lets you know it's not about the money. Because so many of us have this idea like it's a resource problem. And I've been there before, like, God, if you would just give me more money, I would do so many cool things for you. If you just increase my paycheck, I would totally start giving more. If you would just allow me some more, how about you just like, you don't even need to open the floodgates, just crack them a little, right? Right. Like like just hook a brother up for a little bit and then I will totally give that away and then and then I will make resources happen over here and we do this all the time. And what God is saying, look, it is not a resource problem, it is a mindset problem that we, it's an attitude problem that we have and how we are relating to the resources that we are in. Because what happens is that we cannot see the reality that God has already given us the resources in front of us to invest into the world around us that God has already given us not just money, but time and energy and relationships to invest in. And God is looking at, are we willing to be co-creators with him? Are we willing to relate to everything as not how much can I get? How much pleasure can I give to myself? How much time can I have? I'll go to church if it's convenient. I'll give my time if it works out for me. I'll invest in that relationship if it's okay. Everything is from a does this work for me mindset. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I'm asking you to change the mindset because then you can be trusted with resources see God is looking at what we are doing with what we have already been given what he has already poured out into us are we multiplying and creating beauty around us are we committed to that or are we more concerned with our own comfort and safety and security see another way to rewrite what Malachi is saying here is this if God was to look out at your life today, are you a good investment? Not are you valuable, please don't hear that. Not, not, are, not are you beloved, not, not are you worthy of his presence, none of that. I think the question that he asks with this is, are you a good investment? Should God continue to pour more resources into your life? not based on are you worthy or not worthy, but what are you going to do with the resources? See, he doesn't just open up the floodgates of heaven to reward you for your generosity. He's not like, oh good, thank you so much. Now let me pour out my floodgates. Go on, now you can be comfortable. Go buy the car, go buy the pool, you're good. It's not a reward for your generosity. See, when God opens up the floodgates, what he's saying is, oh, With the little that I've given you over here, you are already deciding that you're my spokesperson. You have already taken on that role. And you've already decided that with what I trusted you with in the beginning, yeah, every dollar, you're like, this is a vote for God. This is communicating his values. This is communicating his heart. I'm willing to give to the things that he longs for. Great, now I can pour out more because I can trust you. I can trust your mindset, your heart, your attitude to step into that space. See, he opens up the floodgates because he can trust you as his spokesperson. See, the question that God's asking us today around our resources is, will you speak on his behalf and his mindset and his values with every dollar that you have, with every moment on your calendar, with every bit of energy that you have, with every relationship that he has trusted you in? He's just like, will you speak on my behalf? See, the miracle in this equation is not that God opens the floodgates. That's not the miracle. Because God is the God who has everything. That's actually not miraculous. You know what the miracle was? Is that God has actually given us anything. The miracle has already happened. You are living in a miracle right now. The fact that you have money in your pocket, I don't care how much or how little, is a miracle. That he has willed you to create that type of resource. And... The miracle then becomes that we get to continue creating beauty and hope and love and joy in the world around us, that we get to create beauty with it. See, all the dollars that we have been given, all of the resources that have been put in our hand, they are designed to multiply and to create beauty in the world around us. The question is, is that what we're up to? And only you can answer that question. See, The money in your pocket and in your bank account and on your credit card, it will either determine your identity. It will determine what you're capable of, what you're not capable of. You will either allow it to determine what's possible and not possible. You will either find yourself serving it, trying to get more, or trying to have it serve you in some way, shape, or form, and it will be exhausting. Or... You can take up your natural God-given calling to be a co-creator with him and start asking the question, what do I get to create with the resources that God has already entrusted me with? Where, Where is with what you're doing with it? And then in that, he says, and your land will be blessed and your crops, they're not gonna go crazy. In other words, I'm gonna take care of you as well. Don't worry. Because in our per- in our consumer mindset, it makes sense that if I give away, I'm going to be left without. But what God says is, no, as you co-create, I will make sure that you have everything you need to continue your mission as a human. This last Thursday night at our humanity group, we had this beautiful opportunity to celebrate the birthday of one of the young boys in our community group. And, uh, we had a big party. It was an impromptu party. It was super fun. And uh, this little boy's mom brought these LED balloons. They were, I've never seen them before. They were balloons that you blew up. They had little LED lights. They were all over the backyard. And, and the kids at some point, as kids do, started popping them and fighting over them. And the little boy who was, it was his birthday, was having a, a hard time with it because he really loved the LED balloons. And so he was crying and there was consoling. We got a whole bunch of boys running around on Thursday night. It's wild. So. Chaos ensued, and we were driving home, and we do our Thursday night routine. We get in late, boys get in their pajamas, and I noticed that Jackson's a little more sad that evening. So I pull him into the living room, put him on my lap, and I say, hey, buddy, what's going on? Said, nothing, nothing. I said, no, 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 I know you enough. What's going on, bud? And he said, well, I'm just really sad because I know, I know this little boy, he loved those LED balloons and people were popping them, And now he's, now he's sad, I, I was watching him cry, and I, and I know that he walked away sad because he lost what was really important to him. And I said, well, yeah, that, that, was, a, that was a hard thing. And, he, and he's just like, I just don't know what to do about it. And I said, well, would you like some ideas, as we do in our love and logic parenting. <laughs> and I said, would you like some ideas? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, I know that grandma and grandpa sent you $10 for Easter. And let's go on Amazon right now and find out how much they are. And they were exactly $10. And I said, would you like to buy these? And he said, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if I care that much. <laughs> and I said, I said well, here, here's what I think God does, bud. Is God says, would you give 10% and I'll, and I'll make sure that the rest of the 90% is covered. I'll like make sure that's covered. And so I said, would you be willing to give me a dollar and I'll put in my $9 and we'll make sure that he gets a packet of LED balloons. And he was still like, I don't know about that. I don't even know if I'm ready to give a dollar, right? But he finally said, you know what? I asked him, I said, hey, how much does this friend mean to you? Is this something you feel like you're, you're supposed to do? And he said, you know, I think I'm supposed to do that. So he went into his room. He got his dollar. He handed it over to me. And I said, all right, bud, I'm going to give the rest. I'm going to give you the nine. You get the one. Let's do this. So we ordered it on Amazon last week. And Saturday, I was at a conference this weekend. I got home last night. And there on the kitchen table was the Amazon box with the LED balloons. And this morning, we opened it up. And his face lit up because he knew that this week, he was going to put the world back together for someone. He knew that this week he was gonna be co-creating with his resource to bring order and beauty and multiplication where there was disorder and where there was heartbreak and where there was disconnection. And he took his resources and in that moment, I, told, I looked him in the eye this morning and I said, you just became a spokesperson for God that you just became the person who took something like a dollar and you translated it into joy and happiness and fulfillment for someone else. And he looked at himself and he said, I did do that. He gets this goofy smile on his face. (laughs) I did do that. And I just thought in that moment, this is exactly what God calls us to do. That when we recognize, oh, I have the resources and I'm willing to give this little bit and it's gonna sacrifice and it's gonna hurt for a moment, But wow, I get to step in this space of co-creating with God and speaking on his behalf to order the world around me and to create beauty where there is chaos and to multiply where there is scarcity in the world. And then in the process, God says, watch how I will open up the floodgates because you have just become the person that I can trust with more to go create more beauty and more order and more hope in the world around you. This is our calling as people who are stewards of the resources of God himself. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you so much for the opportunity to take the resources that you have already given us and to steward them for beauty and hope and multiplication, God. God, I pray for those in the room who are already in a, what feels like a hopeless conversation around resources. And I pray that you would just even just speak to them right now. Hey, I got you. God, I even ask that you would remind people, hey, your job isn't to figure that out. Your job is just to be a producer in the world. I've given you the ability to produce wealth for the sake of my kingdom. God, would you just give them peace right now? And God, would you remind us that we are called to be co-creators with you. That we are to speak on your behalf with every dollar spent, every resource engaged, every calendar minute planned. That we are not to be those who are simply concerned about what's convenient for us or what's pleasureful for us or what's gonna give us security, but what is gonna move your kingdom forward. God, allow us to take on the sacred space of being producers, and no longer stepping into the place of consuming. We thank you, in Jesus' name, amen, and amen. I wanna leave you with three really practical steps at the end of this conversation, because sometimes people are like, I don't know what to do, and I don't know how I should engage this, and what's up for me. So here's here's a question that I would love for you just to engage this week as you're thinking about your resources, and as you're thinking about your money, and even as you look at your bank account. Just ask yourself the question, does my spending and how I engage the resources that God has given me, does that reflect the heart of God? Does that reflect what he values? Or does it reflect something else? And not to judge yourself, because look, these conversations we easily get into a judgmental conversation. I'm so bad with money. I'm a horrible person, blah, blah, blah. Jesus is not in that conversation about you. But he is in a space where he would love for you to examine, to look, to get curious, to see. And so look at those things this week. Here's the the second thing that I'm gonna ask you to consider. If you're not currently giving of your resources to even like a community like Humanity Church, I'm gonna ask you to start somewhere. Some people think like I can't give anything. I'm like, that's probably not true because how many of us, are gonna probably go have lunch afterwards or get a Starbucks this week or have some extra. Look, I'm talking about starting somewhere. 10% may seem like a pipe dream for you, but every single person that I know who is giving a tithe right now, who is actually giving 10% of their resources to Humanity Church or more, started somewhere. And I can tell you story after story after story of person who was like, all right, I'm starting at .001%, but I'm gonna be faithful with that .001%. And watch if God doesn't honor that. And I always say this, look, if you're in a place where you are skeptical about even a pastor asking for resources or you're skeptical about a church and giving money, give your money somewhere because I am more concerned about your heart and your character and your attitude than money coming into our community. So if you're like, hey, I don't know if I can trust a spiritual community yet, find somewhere and I hope that we can earn your trust over the years over the months, that we're a place that God moves and creates beauty for you. That even in this space, that we together would move from consuming of like, hey, I come here to get to I come here to give to the world around us. Last thing that I want to put out there as a practical step, people do not have a conversation about where they're at in their finances until they're in trauma or things are falling apart. And then we have a conversation around how to fix and go into triage in a hopeless situation. And this is one of those times and one of those spaces where you do not wanna wait until you're in trauma to have a conversation. So if you're here today and you're like, this conversation is so triggering for me and I feel so all kinds of ways today because my finances are a mess and I don't know how to get out of debt or I feel like I'm sinking or I feel like I don't know where to go or I don't even know where to begin, please, Go to Next Step and just say, hey, I'm one of those people and we will get you in touch with someone who can support you along the way. I cannot tell you how many times people come to us when they are months down the road and we're like, wow, now we're in emergency care where months ago we could have had a conversation where I know it feels like emergency but we could have solved things much more quickly and much more effectively there so look we are a community that wants to walk alongside of you in this so if that's you and you're like hey I am in need of some care around this conversation please reach out before it's too late at next step you can just even tell them hey I'm one of those people we'll put your name down on a card and we'll make sure that someone gets in touch with you.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.